Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. On today's episode of the Career Musician Podcast, we have Mr. Tarek Akoni. That is Tarek as in T-A-R-I-Q-H, Akoni, A-K-O-N-I. If you don't know who he is, look him up because believe me, you've heard his guitar skills. With a list of credits like Josh Groban, Christina Aguilera, Elton John, Herbie Hancock, Patti LaBelle, Yolanda Adams, Luther Vandross, Al Jarreau, David Sanborn, Boys to Men, Stevie Wonder, and literally the list goes on. Now, Tarek is a good buddy of mine. When I came out here in 2005, we had some mutual friends that introduced us. And you know what? He helped me out. Not only did he welcome me to the town as a fellow guitar player, but he showed me around and introduced me to some more people. So... Check it out, sit back as Tarek and I chop it up right here on the Career Musician Podcast. Welcome. Nice to see you, buddy. Yeah, welcome Tarek Akoni to the Career Musician Virtual Interview Session. All right. Yeah. All right. So. I'm so, super, super happy to be here, buddy. Thank you so much for inviting me. And, and once again, we've known each other for years, so I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to do this. Absolutely. Same here. Man, the cool things. There's so many cool things. Okay, and like you said, uh, buckle in, listeners, because this might be a long episode. Two <laughs> guitar heads going at it square to square here. Um, yes. Like you said, we've known each other for a long time, and one of the um, 
memories that I have, one of the best memories is when we were both rehearsing at Center Staging in different studios with different artists. And we had met through some people. I think it was Dave Hooper and a couple other people that introduced us. We met yeah. and, and I said, hey, Tark, you know, I don't know why I asked you, but I was like, oh, I'm looking for a new distortion pedal, I think, blah, blah, blah. This guy, he doesn't go, yeah, you know what? You should check out the XYZ. The next day, he brings a fucking basket of uh, not not a basket uh, uh, what do you call it? a crate a milk crate full of distortion pedals to my studio over at, you know he goes here man why don't you just check these out for the next week or so and decide what you like i was like what who does that well i forgot about yeah, that right tarik akoni does that so oh well thank you man well that's a nice thing to say i appreciate it yeah that was amazing that was amazing and then i and then and then the next memory I have is me calling you and bitching you out because I feel like I felt like you stole a gig from me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> see, I, I, I'm like, you, you have to understand. I, I didn't, no, trust and believe, I didn't steal it. I just borrowed it probably <laughs> for one gig. And they were like, where's Michael? <laughs> yeah. See, I'm an open book, baby. No, and then, and then like, we have a couple good memories. And then we did a gig together for that same client, I think. And I don't know, but we have a couple oh, good uh, bar memories too, which we won't talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that also, like, I remember, I, I truly remember when you moved to L.A., because I remember there were a lot of people I knew, and I kept hearing your name through different people. Right. You know, like, it was like one of those things There's that hasn't happened a lot in, um, and we can talk about the whole L.A. scene, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, I always say it's a, it's a big town, but a small scene. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of the same people all the time. Mm -hmm. But, man, I would hear your name through everything from, like, from jazz cats to like Latin cats to, you know, um, to uh, uh, rock cats and pop cats and all that stuff. And I was like, first of all, who is this cat? And second of all, <laughs> I swear to God, if he takes my gig, I'm cutting somebody. No, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I know. It's like, cause it, was, it was, it was like one of those things where, because I remember I, I, we were both doing some of the contemporary jazz stuff at the same time and doing some of the R&B gigs. And I remember specifically one guy. I was working for, and um, I had known him for a while, and he's like, man, I think I found, like, my dude. And I'm like, who? He goes, his cat, Mike Rapole. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Ah, oh, that's, so, <laughs> that's funny. Ah, uh, you're just making stuff up. Look at you. No, I swear, I can, I, you know, I'll say their names. I ain't scared, man. I ain't scared. Yeah. What are they going to do, not hire me more? What's that? I, I, <laughs> I love it, man. And Oh, wow. Okay. All right, there's so many questions, but first, because yeah, I, right. I feel okay. like I want to follow some type of protocol. So yeah, sure. my, my typical protocol for the show is to get to know the guests, because obviously I know you, but perhaps the listeners don't, some of the listeners. Right on. So the first thing I want to talk about is where you're from, what were your influences musically, you know, and then like, and then more specifically, how did you gravitate toward guitar? So three, it's a wow. three, yeah, three points, but take your time. No, 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 and I, and you know, and once again, you know, you're more than welcome to chop this up as as you see fit. <laughs> um, but you know, I have a little bit of a weird path because I, so I grew, I live in Santa Barbara, California. Right. I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, and um, when it was time to go off to to school, I didn't know I wanted to be a musician. I I, I loved guitar, but it kind of came at it late. Um, it was something that I did for me, where it was like, you know, I I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And then I went down to UC San Diego for a couple of years and recognized that all I really wanted to do was play guitar, you know. So I thought, let me see if I've got any aptitude towards this. So I took a year off from school and went out to the Berklee College of Music. There's a longer story, but I wound up going out to the Berklee sure. College of Music just to see if I had any aptitude, just to see if, like, you know, what was the general scene? And I'd never focused on music like that. 
And that was the first time I encountered that level of dedication to the instrument and whatnot. Because, you know, Santa Barbara is incredible, but it's a small town. Um, right. But so it's an, you're an anomaly being from California because there's so many transplants, yeah, right. you know. So yeah, that's and interesting. So, so, well, and it was also like Santa Barbara at the time. So I grew up in the 80s and Santa Barbara at the time, you know, there, was, there were a couple of really great players and there was a cool scene like a kind of a latin jazz scene and i use the term latin intentionally because it was it was like that kind of 80s where latin meant brazilian you know ah. and so it was like and, yes and a year to flora uh, and flora lived up here and randy tico and um uh dave Zier and uh jeff elliott and like all these incredible musicians were up here but it but i didn't realize you could make a living playing guitar like i didn't realize that like there was like I thought to play because it's such a small town. There's no quote unquote industry up here. Right. I mean, there are gigs, but it's not like you're doing sessions and jingles and yada 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 and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So I had gone out to to the Berkeley College of Music, got really bitten by the bug, and then I got kicked out of school um, because I didn't have I, you know I'm an open book. I, I didn't have the bread to keep going. Of course. And they basically said, hey, you don't have the bread, you're going to have to split. And I was like, I was like, well, I either go back to Santa Barbara, where you know I already know what the future is in Santa Barbara mm-hmm. or I stay in Boston and try to fight for it. And so I stayed in Boston and, you know, wound up playing all the, you know, the shit clubs and all that stuff at the time and, yeah. you know, made certain pathways. And it was a contemporary jazz saxophonist that really inspired me to move out to uh, Los Angeles. There's a longer story, but I, I don't want to bore your listeners that got me out to, to Los Angeles. And then I lived in LA for about 15 years and then moved back to Santa Barbara about um, at the end of 2010. So okay. I still primarily work in LA I just happen to live up here. So I'm always commuting down or flying out of Santa Barbara Airport. Well, first like of all, that. I think it's great because you know, the quality of life in Santa Barbara is beautiful, <laughs> as you know. Well, yeah, um, I, and, I feel and, very fortunate, yeah. Yeah, I think it's neat that you get to still live home, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I remember when you made that transition, you you emailed everybody and you were like, hey, I'm, I'm headed back to my home grounds, you know, and you know, but right, I'll be commuting. Right. I remember you saying that, yeah. Well, and at the time I was a little tripped out because, you know, there were a couple things that inspired the move. I, I was going through a divorce at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> so that kind of necessitated having a different place for a little while and figuring out what the deal was. But then the other side of it was when I realized I could make the commute, it, I was really fortunate that it was when a lot of the social media – I mean, I, I've, I've had a number of gigs that, or, or I should say employers or contracts that I've held for a number of years. But I was really fortunate that it was right when social media was taking off. So even though I, it used to be if you live someplace right. else, nobody knew where you were. It was out of sight, out of mind. But being able to live up here and have a social media presence, people feel like I'm right next door. And also, this was around when um, Cafe Cordial was really kicking off. Mm. So what I would do is I would typically schedule at least a gig a month at Cafe Cordial. And the great thing at Cordial is they would list the guys playing. Right. So anybody that went through, you'd see the calendar and it'd say Tarek Akonian, like, oh, I guess he comes down to L.A. still. Right. You know, so I was able to, you know, find a couple of ways to stay in people's minds and, and mouths and hearts and all that stuff and, and keep working. And I always joke I have to work in L.A. to afford to live in Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's applicable anywhere in in Southern California. Right, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, I have to work. I really like that one. I have to work in LA. Anyway, that's great, man. Okay, so I love the fact that you're from here. That's so cool. A great history. So you went all the way northeast to Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. Um, you froze your patooties off because you're. Yes, a, I still have a one patootie left. But yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
I'm sure right. that was a big shock. So you come back to LA and you're working. Okay, I love that. Yeah. How? What was the original impetus of for getting into music in general? Did you come from a musical family? Was it a moment on television when you saw us, an album you heard, or? No, you know, man. To be honest with you, you know, um, you know. I feel so fortunate to do it for a living. And to be honest with you, I didn't come from a musical family. And they still don't quite understand what I do for a living. Right. Like, you know, I mean, they see me, you know, on TV or whatever. But, you know, um, but there was no real kind of, you know, pathway through the jungle. And for me, really, it was something where um, I, I loved music. And it was something that was really personal to me. Um, and my a friend of my brother's named Brian, Brian Jeffries if he's listening, um, Brian Jeffries had come to visit from, my brother went to a university of Pennsylvania and he had come to California to visit one summer. And he saw me waking up at like five in the morning to practice guitar before I went to high school. Oh. And he said, he, he said to me, he goes, man, he goes, you need to go study music. He's like, if you study, he's like, you're a smart kid, but if you study anything else, you're just going to fail. Cause this is all you want to do. I was like, oh, he's full of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Next thing you know, I go down to UC San Diego and I'm almost failing out because all I wanted to do was play. Mm. So for me, going to Berkeley, I, I originally was going to go to MI, but that fell through. So for me, going to Berkeley was me taking a semester off to go, is this something that I could pursue? Is this something I have any, because right. I'd love to be able to, I'd love to be able to make a living. And actually, I always say, because I've done some master classes for Berkeley and I still have a relationship with the school and and some of that stuff, and I'm actually doing a um, an online educational thing for for um, one of the guys at Berkeley. And one of the things we were, I was literally just talking to him yesterday, and he talked to me about the first time I did a clinic there, and me saying that, you know, that moment in time for me of getting kicked out was probably the most important thing that could happen, mm. because I had to make a decision of are you going to pursue music, are like. Like, are you going to, you know, people say play like your life depends on it. And it was literally like, oh, I like that. your life depends on it, you know. And I didn't feel like I had the skill set at the time. So it's like, well, you better learn quickly <laughs> how to do this. So at the time, I couldn't read music. I didn't really play acoustic. There's a lot of things I just didn't do, you mm -hmm. know. And I was like, if I want to eat, I better figure this out fast. And for me, that was probably, you know, they say the main motivating factors are fear and guilt. And, and I felt like that was a huge moment for me of like, if you really want this, now is your now is your time to get it. So figure this shit out. And to me, knowing what that looks like, knowing what it means, and knowing what it means to go to the mat for something, was a huge life lesson that I carry with me through every experience. You know, um, so as much as I would have loved to have stayed and studied and gotten my degree and all that stuff, <clears throat> you know, I was put in a position of, man, you know, this is about survival. This is about mm -hmm. the choices you make about how you move through the world, the pathways you choose, instruments. Learning to read music, it's not about, wow, this should be fun. It's about, man, you're not going to be able to feed your family if you can't do certain things. So that's like, I mean, I didn't have a family at the time, but no, you can't feed course. your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> can't feed yourself. <laughs> right, right, man, I'm a big guy. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yes, how tall are you, six, six, I'm seven? I'm six, five and flat. Six, but five. But I'm, I'm always yeah. wearing cowboy boots, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. so you're like six, 12, Jesus. <laughs> I'm about six, 12, yes, yes. And I'm dense like a diamond. <laughs> no, no you, you're, you're slick, man. You have a very cool look. Um, oh, well, thank you. Okay, Absolutely. Um, I'm sure that's not the first time you've been told that. Second, and I'll stop there. No more. No more. I'm throwing any we'll more compliments. There, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I do I do clinics for different schools and whatnot. And instead of going in and playing a bunch of guitar, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, "Listen, you can ask me anything." Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, 
that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted somebody to tell me, like, shoot me straight. It's like, tell me. It's like, am I making a mistake? What's the deal? What is it like going to L.A.? What's it like working with these artists? You know, I mean, even, like, drugs and alcohol and how you navigate that stuff. To me, I was like, I just wanted somebody to, like, like, be straight with me. So I I always tell people, you can ask me anything. I love that. I remember when I was around that high school age. I was. I'm from Long Island, New York, so I came up yeah. with Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. Jesus, yeah. You know, oh God, yeah. They were right. They were right in my same neck of the woods, so to speak. But oh, that's crazy. I I was. I used to dream about all the time. Man, if I can meet these guys, I just want to sit down and talk to them and just yeah. pick their brain. And and now the interwebs and technology has allowed us to do that. You know, because yeah. yeah. everybody's yeah. sharing everything. You know. Yeah, but um, it was. But it is interesting. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I, just to dovetail off of what you were saying, um, and there's a longer narrative to this, but I think that part of that thing of of that hunger and like striving for information, and when we grew up in the in the '80s, it's like, if I mean, you had Guitar Player magazine, maybe Guitar World, Guitar for the Practicing Musician. It's like, you know, it's like like you were dying to get like a glimpse of what somebody was playing through or yes. their approach or like remember <laughs> you like the uh, was it the King Biscuit Flower Hour. And you'd put a tape in your like your your um your boombox or whatever. Well, there was a radio show that would broadcast live shows, and so I'd stick a tape, a cassette tape in, and just hope that like I could capture the, the you know just to get a, a recording of a live Billy Idol show or live Van wow. Halen or something. You know, but it was that thing. It's like it was such an archaeological dig to get information, right. and like you said, it's so accessible. But there's a part of me that feels like with that accessibility. It's almost like to me, vinyl. It's not just about the sound and texture of records. It's the culture of mm. that. You have one kind of blue album, mm. and you don't want your little brother playing with it because he's going to scratch it, yes. or it's going to get left on the radiator. Yeah. So it's like music is so precious, and so to me, it's like it's a different. Right now, you can get you know the whole Beatles catalog with you know uh, with one download and never listen on. to the whole thing. That's yeah. so true, and, and that's the thing. We take things for granted. So, okay, so the concept of mentorship, I yeah, think man. I think guys like you are people like you and I, especially at that time in that era, we would have given our right hand to get a mentor that was connected and that we could have really fed from, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I love the fact that, like we said, it, it's so accessible now. It's, it's Everybody's sharing everything. I like the fact even that there's a lot of mentorship programs available. Yeah. Uh, and then which brings me to my next point, going back to accessibility. When you look at masterclass.com, I mean, yeah, what I mean, they're yeah. doing is incredible. They're taking celebrity status uh, experts in their field and doing yeah. a deep dive of these masterclasses. I mean, I've been studying the one with Danny Elfman. And uh, oh, right uh, Hans Zimmer, and you know, uh, yeah, with, man, and uh, Steve Martin, and Chef Gordon Ramsay. I mean, there's so yeah, many. Totally. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dead Mouse, the DJ. You know, there's so many. Yeah, cool things, totally, right? totally. Can you imagine if totally. we had that when we were kids? I mean, I totally. Well, I, and, I, and I have to say, it's like, and you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be perhaps more honest than I should be. Please, <laughs> but I have to say that that, you know. You know, I taught for a fair amount of time. You know, at the head of the department at LA Music Academy. Ooh, I want to hear about that too. Yeah, or it's now the LA College of Music. Right. And I remember it used to really frustrate me that kids would come in and they'd have access to all this stuff, Mm. and they wouldn't take advantage of it. And I had to kind of remember that it's like, you know what? It's not the access that makes someone great. 
You know, you that has to be right. in you to like to like fight that's, for it. You know what I mean? So so I used right. to say years ago when I was um with my ex-wife now, and this isn't why, but with my, but years ago um when we were dating and I was trying to have her move to Los to Los Angeles with me, she said, "How do I know you're not one of those typical musicians and you're going to cheat on me and whatnot?" Right. And when I told her, I said, "Listen, I said, you know what? If you leave your door open, the only person that's going to rob you is a thief." You know. It's not because there's the opportunity that turns someone into a thief. That's right. right? Nice. And similar. Yes. Yes. I'm glad I thought of it at the time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, but to the same to the same extent, it's like you have to. You've got to want it, and you've got to want it to a point where you got to want it, knowing that there are times you're not going to be able to eat. You got to mm-hmm. want it, knowing that the times you're going to have to be away from your family. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to want it. You have to like lay awake at night dreaming about it. And want oh. it so badly. So when you ask the question if you or I had it, absolutely. Yeah. Because we didn't yeah. have it and we dug it out. You know, I, but uh. you know what I mean? But it's not to me it's not just the access. Because similarly, I think that the one thing that's missing with those things, going back to mentorship, is the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can you can get the information, but that culture, how do you act? How do you react? How do you you know, even when you shake a hand or you make eye contact, how do you respond to people? How do you respond to emails, communication? Those cultural things that <sighs> you can't communicate through. It's not about Dorian. You know what I mean? It's no. not about Rick Solidian. You know what I mean? But those are the things to me that are ephemeral you know, that and esoteric that you have to kind of be around the cats. And so you and I, you know, it's like I got my ass kicked I don't know how many times, uh. you know, um, and it's like, but that's part of how you learn. You're like, well, I guess I won't do that again. You know, and I had that happen just recently. I had somebody, you know, blow a really great opportunity just because mm. of the lack of that those skill sets. Right. And it bummed me out because I was like, man, everything else was there. And I'm like, but yeah. sometimes those things get lost in the shuffle, you know. That I yeah. mean, you just you just articulated the whole premise of why the career musician exists. Yeah. I mean, and now, you know, not, not to toot my own horn here because uh, it's, it's a community, first of all. And, yeah. and what you just said is testament to the fact that I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not yeah. the only one that sees the need for it. So it, we, we do need a sense of community mentorship for the generations absolutely like ours to inform the up-and-coming generations. Um, and that's what it's all about, empowerment. Let's talk about communication. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I use s- English. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a great segue to my next question, which uh, is, I'm going to skip one of them. We'll come back to your resume and credits. Yeah. Uh, but principles and methods. So, you know, yeah. the, the principles of any concept, whether it's, you know, uh, like you said, existentialism, where it's kind of, yeah. you know, not as clear or if it's something as, you know, plain as business proceedings, the principles never change, but the methods do. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I think please. That, uh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm with you. And I think that so when I was when I was teaching, I'm, I'm trying to every time I put this on my studio desk, it's there's a low end. You probably have to roll oh, yeah, off a like a hundred right. or something. <laughs> um, but um. When I was teaching, you know, um, I used to say that, that it, like, so I was the head of a department, so I had teachers working for me. And one of the things that I shared is, to me, education works when there are three p- things present. One is the fundamentals, one is context, and one is concept. Mm. So conceptually, it's a, it's a similar premise, as you're saying. Right. The context has changed. Right. To now we have so many opportunities to stay in contact with one another. 
But fundamentally, I think that, that from a conceptual standpoint, you always have to remember what is the experience of the listener. Like, what's the experience of the, the employer? You know what I mean? Because you want to make it as easy as possible for that person to hire you and for that person to pay you. Why would you make it difficult for someone to find you? You know, like, a- like, like, AKA people, <laughs> don't text and DM gig details. Put that right. in an email so you have a paper trail. Absolutely. You know, use, I don't care if you use the text to say, hey, I'm here at the gate. Is there a code? Or do I go around back to unload? Or That's fine. Yes. But for really important, pertinent details, put a nice, well-thought-out email together. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. With the, I mean, address, times, links, yes. all that stuff. And yes. my thing is I tend to – I don't like to send a lot of emails. So I tend to send one or two that That's are super right. informative. And I'll literally say – that's Please right. read this thoroughly and respond with a copy or got it, something like that. <laughs> That's such a musical director thing. Because right, exactly. the well, same thing. From one MD to another, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, because because to me, I don't want, I know what it's like when you've got, you have to think to yourself, once again, the experience of the listener. If I have 50 gigs that I'm juggling right. and trying to figure out, and I've got to do a deep dive and search for your email, like the one you sent with the directions... Right, you know, it's like, man, that's going to take me twenty minutes that I that I can't spare, you know. So, right, and exactly. if, if that's fifty gigs doing that, I'm screwed. So to me, it's like there's one place you go, and I try to make sure that the subject line is very similar, yada yada yada, mm-hmm. and that way I, you want to make it. Same thing with writing charts. Yeah. Like you're writing charts to be read. You know what I mean? You're not writing charts to be <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like you know you're writing charts to be read and to be interpreted. So make it as clear as possible. That's right. So for me, in terms of the communication element of it, I think that, you know, getting back to people very, very quickly, having a really easy way of kind of being able to be, you know, contacted and communicated, making payment easy. Like, once again, I tell people, you can Venmo me, you can PayPal me, you can send me a check. Like, That's you right. know, I want to make it as easy as possible right. for you to get me the bread. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, well, once again, why would I put roadblocks in, fr- in front of you paying me? And That's so, so for true. me. Yeah, and and we know people like that. Like there are people I work with that are just like like man, you know, can we meet at Starbucks and you can hand me a check? And I'm like, Ooh. no, man. I'm like, I gotta. I'm right. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know? Who has time for that? Yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, can't I just bump you the money? Like, let me just, you know. Yeah. So I think that that the methods have changed, but there's a couple of fundamental content, concepts. Mm. One is also making sure that um, people remember to call you. You know, like not just once again having the marketable skill sets, not just all those kinds of, you know, fundamental things that you want to have in place in terms of just skill sets and availability, but that thing of staying in the mind's eye, you know, and as we going back to what we we're talking about earlier, living in Santa Barbara, theoretically, I'm 100 miles away from my the competition or whoever I'm is also trying right. to do the same jobs as I am. So yeah. for me, it's it's whether it's social media or whether it's, you know, these different ways of people, you know, remembering, oh, that's right, you know, I wonder if Tarek's around, or whatever, mm. I wonder if Tarek's free. Right. To me, those are really hugely important, you know, and just, and we're all, it's kind of the Wild West, we're all finding our way of doing it, and the mm. other part of that is, we all have to have our own way, because, like, you and I are not the same person, you know, it's like, we, we have some overlap in terms of styles or skills or people we listen to growing up or that kind of thing, but fundamentally, you're you and I'm me. And so if you try to dance the way I dance, it's going to look weird and vice versa. Similarly, First of all, to stop cursing at me. Don't ever tell me to dance. <laughs> <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah, I you don't do want to see me dance. <laughs> you can't see right no. now, but he's dancing in front of the camera. No, yeah, right. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. 
Yeah, that's yeah. so true. In a dry spell. Let's talk yeah. about this. And a, the unique. This is a great time to talk about it. Right. I mean, this is COVID-19 season. Yep. Um, so in a, in a dry spell, uh, and this is a great concept with the uniqueness of individuals. How do you feel about that? And, you know, as it pertains to networking or and or uh, following up via email or phone call or whatever it may be. Well, I think that even. there's I think there's a couple of things. I mean, as you know, there's there's always a balance. You know, there's a balance between, you know, reminding people that you exist and, you know, feeling like you're bugging people, you know. Right. And so for me, especially as we're moving into this um millennium generation, you know, uh whatever decade, whatever you want to call it. Um uh I think that not only are there other means, but I also think that what people are finding is we have to develop new pathways we have to develop new ways of uh revenue stream and all that mm -hmm. stuff so let me be a bit more specific specific right now we're in this covid 19 you know period in time which is affecting everybody greatly you know and every mm -hmm. tour has been called off every bar and club has been shut down and whatnot so because i'm thinking you know if somebody comes back and listens to this you know in a year right right you know, no it's good. i just want to make yeah. i just kind of want to put into perspective Perfect. like and it's literally not only kind of decimated the music industry and the entertainment industry, mm. but there's also ancillary things. I've been talking to some of my movie friends about how that's affecting them and right. movie music. And we can talk about that later if you want. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, because at, you know, at the end of the day, you can't have an orchestra in a room right now. So there's stuff happening. That's right. And the question is, are we going to be able to come back? You know, um, so along with that. People are having to figure out what do these these alternative revenue streams look like, whether it's right. writing, whether it's writing sync music, whether it's songwriting, whether it's composing. How do you kind of make your way in? Whether it's you know um, kind of an internet presence or education, like these things that can provide passive income and, and all these other things. And from a larger conceptual point, going back to our point in terms of concept, fundamentals, and context, from a conceptual standpoint, in my mind, the era of being able to be one person, one thing. To, to is is over you know there's that's there's right. one Vinny, and i mean he's also well, got other skill sets what i'm just saying well, that like, was over a long time ago right exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah well yeah. but for you and me when i mean we always that was what we looked up to and thought man that's right i want to come to la and i want to be you know that dude you know and just yeah. you know play my guitar and have my monster rack and yeah. smoke cigars right. you know after the after the session but now it's it's in a period of time where you have to look at a wider spectrum of the pie you know, and you've got to sit there yeah. going, okay, for me, it was uh, education, writing with education. It was also, I always tried to have my foot in a number of different, you know, styles and camps and all that stuff. It's something I enjoy, but mm -hmm. also the realization that, like, you know, I work with Josh Groban, who's been Josh's musical director for, um, I've been with him almost 20 years. Musical director uh, since 2007. Wow. Yeah, but, um, but at the same time, you know, Josh doesn't tour every year. So I have to make sure that when he's not working, that I have these other things that are working, whether it's working in town, whether it's working with different artists, studio sessions, all that stuff, and making sure that, like, there's enough of that that um, supports me throughout, you know, throughout the year. And I think that the, that the dry spell thing, it always happens. It happens to everybody. There's, mm -hmm. you know, a finite number of work and, you know, um, skill sets change. You know, so when we were growing up, you didn't have to, as a guitar player, you didn't have to know how to run 
the board or mic drums or anything like that. So we're having to develop these skill sets and these other things in order to maintain a living. For me, it's been, uh, it's also been writing. So for me, it's been, I have the studio that I'm working out of right now. So even though um, we're in this dry period for the industry, I have actually luckily been very busy every day, you know, right. doing co-writes, you know, writing sync stuff, yada, yada, yada. And so right. to me, building that studio, and it's not that expensive anymore. You know, um, no. I run off of Logic Pro. And right now, if you run Logic Pro, it's, I believe the software is 199 bucks. It's 200 yeah. bucks, yeah. Yeah, 199 yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get that, you get a small keyboard, and you've got access to basically everything that they had for um, Billie Eilish's last record and one of Adele's right. last records. It's like there's no right. reason you can't win a Grammy. So, right, with a, with an interface, a small like Apollo Twin or something, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, even that, I mean, you could conceivably get one of like the Focusrite, like the Scarlets or something like that, yep. and and you can do most of the things that used to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. So to That's me, right. going back to your point, it's like really, it's building these bridges and these different pathways. And my hope, I'm optimistic right now. I feel like as screwed up as this might seem, in terms of the industry, in terms of the world, with the, with COVID-19, we're building pathways that we don't necessarily have to retreat from once they lift the floodgates. Like, right. I'm still going to be able to Skype with you or Zoom with you. Oh, or, absolutely. And we can still write songs together. We can still send files back and forth. So I'm investigating different ways of making this work a little bit better because I like being home. My wife is awesome. I love oh, hanging out with her. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the same thing. You know, I just got off the road from after a uh, a 12-year um I guess residency with Babyface. Yeah. Uh you know, I I be, just before uh the new year, so at the late 2019, we I finished my quote-unquote tenure with him, right? Right. And I looked at my wife and my daughter, I'm like, "Wow, girls, it feels so good to be home." Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't want to go on tour again. <laughs> I don't want to leave. I know. You know, I know. so I, know. I agree. This this and this is something, look, let's be honest. This is something that comes up around this time in in a person's life when Absolutely. we're in our 40s. Absolutely. You know, early to mid to late 40s, you're like, "Wait a minute. I don't I want to change my Absolutely. lifestyle." So, this I is all agree. relevant you know whether we're going through some kind of world cri global crisis or not it's all relevant well, i agree and this i think that this this world crisis has forced our hand but mm -hmm. it's you know i was actually talking to my wife this morning about this um and just to be clear i mentioned earlier my ex-wife uh, i obviously <laughs> remarried just want to be clear yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so just make sure Same just here. for the record uh, if anybody's keeping score guilty at home guilty as charged yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, but, it's not but uncommon. That, it's okay. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yes, um, but but I think that that um, that part of it, of not just kind of this period in, in life, but I was sitting with my wife this morning, going, you know, as as screwed up as the world is right now, it's like we feel so fortunate and blessed, not only in our lives, but also in the right. fact that you know we're looking at it as an opportunity versus as you know a, a, a hindrance. We're like, well, okay. Right. We've been talking about doing this. We've been talking about, like, she's literally in a meeting in the other room right now. And she's doing Zoom right. meetings. And, and she also has a private practice. So she's doing it via Skype. And we're like, this is something we've kind of craved. And now we're being, our, our hand is being forced. But let's make the best of it. Let's really solidify That's the right. space so it's something that we've always got to return to. And I think that, that what go. I'm seeing with the music community is it is obviously resilient. 
because people want to create mm-hmm. music. They want to create art, and they're going to do it, whether it's with two sticks in the woods or whether it's with you know, you know, and a Pro Tools HD rig. It's going to happen. So the question right That's now right. is is yeah is we're just changing tools, changing location, and finding new pathways through. And and I'm super optimistic about it. I I couldn't agree more. Well said, my friend. Well, All thank right. you. I, Yes, absolutely. I I can't ignore this anymore. So yeah. forgive me for I jumped around a little bit, yeah. uh, my listeners. Um, Josh Groban, let's talk about your resume and credits. Okay. Um, let's so let's rewind a little bit. You now you've been with Josh for twenty years. You've yep. been his MD for thirteen years. Yep. Um, so I know you've played with a whole list of others. Just give us some of the some of the big names, maybe that Ooh. you know. Um, people find interesting. I know yeah. Stevie. You've done one-offs yeah. with everybody, Stevie Wonder and yeah. Sting, and you know. Yeah, and I and I toured. I toured with Stevie a bit, and um, uh, Shaka Khan, Whitney Houston. Um, I toured with Bette Midler, uh, Christina Aguilera. I worked with Weezer, and um, mm. worked with um. Yes, I work. I worked with them as a musical director, actually, uh, a little bit. Um, nice. Worked with. Gosh. Have to think about that's, it. And the reason why I said I, I was like I perked up on that one because that's a nice change from yeah. the typical career musicians workload. We don't typically work with rock bands. Yeah, with bands. Yeah, right? with, with kind bands. of established bands. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, and and um, I mean, there's there's a there's a whole site. I have to pull up a resume, but because I forget. Oh, Patty Labelle no, 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 and Shocking and all this stuff. You know. You right. know. I'll, I mean, I'll put it in the notes. It'll yeah. be here. Yeah. But I just uh, wanted to talk about it while we we're here face to face. No, no, no. I, and yeah. I appreciate it. And I I think um. I just actually have developed a, a really cool relationship with Kenny Loggins, and and Kenny, um, you know, I've loved him for years. He's I've, I nice. literally used to wake up every morning and eat my Cheerios and watch his Live from the Redwoods, you know, uh, VHS uh, cassette. <laughs> so wow, so nice. it's, it was so we literally I was just uh, had a Zoom meeting with him um, earlier this week, and I was like, nice. it's Kenny Loggins on my screen. That's cool. so I mean, so I've been really lucky, and part of the thing also, and this is something you and I've talked about before, and we share. And I should say that um, it was so cool to see you playing on Josh's last record, on mm. that song Symphony. It was so right. beautiful, and and I, yeah. I had to like send you the chart and send you. I was like, man, you killed this. Yes, um, but, thank you. But the thing is, it's like, you know, if someone were to enter into the industry, they might not assume that they're going to have a career that spans from Weezer to Josh Groban, you know, right. and then to, you know, whoever uh, Anastasia or. Um, Oh God! Whoever else, uh, Tony yeah. Braxton, whatever you know, it's like no one. Yeah. You don't think that, but you try to build up a, a a set of skill sets. So there's the more general musicianship, more general kind of cultural stuff that you develop as a musician working in the scene, and then there are kind of the marketable skill sets like playing acoustic, singing, having classical technique, being able to play electric, That's getting right. good tones. Those things that if you are a good musician, you can necessarily go from playing like we just did a tribute to Aerosmith and I got to, oh Leanne Rimes I used to work in Leanne Rimes band and Leanne Womack I played with Leanne Womack but to be able to go from like country wow. to you know playing behind Josh to playing you know um with Sheila E or whatever it's like you start to develop these skill sets that can kind of cross through these different genres <clears throat> excuse yeah. me and I think the more general part of it is you know, I remember years ago I did I did Saturday Night Live with Christina Aguilera and a really good uh, friend of both of ours, who shall remain nameless at the moment, but um, I'll tell you off air, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, had seen the performance and was like, man, I saw you playing and, um, and uh, you didn't play anything for the first, you know, verse and chorus. 
you know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I just laid out. And they were like, they're like, I don't know. They're like, I don't know if I could do that. And ah. I was like, and my thing was, was you're supposed to <laughs> right and, and my thing also was like that was appropriate for the time That's and now right. the person who said it is an incredible musician and probably would have made it sound better but my thing was was my role right now where i'm supposed to be yada 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 it's okay for me not to play like whenever That's i do right. gigs with other guitar players i love being oh. like hey i'll play i'll play acoustic man i'm like i don't care let's like that sounds yeah. like fun you know like we just did this yep. tribute to neil diamond and i was so excited because i got to play acoustic all night and I was like, "This nice. is gonna be." I was like, "This is gonna be great." <laughs> like, uh, I heard about that because our good friend Dave yeah, Hoop. Hooper was playing drums. Yeah, who? Yes. Uh, yeah. Who was who was on the guitar chair with you? Was it, was it Michael me. Thompson or no? It was. Oh, me. you said you got to play acoustic. Well, it was me and Dave Delone was playing keyboards and guitar, but most of gotcha. Neil's stuff is is acoustic driven. So I played right, I played right. acoustic for most of the night, and then we also backed up um, Sammy Hagar and um, Chris Isaac and Sammy played electric and Chris Isaac played acoustic I played electric with Chris oh, that's so cool. but you know it's that thing where it's like I love playing acoustic but also it means that there's always a chair in the room when you've got somebody who's willing right. to like to go hey man I don't care I'll play right. the second or third guitar part you know it's like I'm just happy to be here right. you know and I, right. hopefully I can keep it in the pocket and make the singer sound better and get you know get the call back yeah. yeah. Well, what, what you when you're doing that that self deprec uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that no. self deprecative kind of oh humility. I think and let me correct you on that. So right. for the listeners who may not know, and I do believe this is a trait that the older generation of musicians have, uh, us included. Yeah. I think we're the last generation that really have this. Right. When when Tarek says. Oh, I just hope that I can play well enough to keep it in the pocket. So that's a bunch of bullshit because Tarek can fucking keep it in the pocket. Trust me. Basically translated, he, you know, he has groove. He has immaculate time and rhythm and things like that. What he's I doing. I appreciate that, yes. Well, what, what, what you're doing, and I, and I want to point this out because yeah. I think it's important. I'm making fun with it, but it's, it's, it's true. I do the same thing. We have this overwhelming sense to be extra humble. Right, right. And and here's the crazy part. We are experts in our craft. Yes. I mean, I'm talking if there was a, a neurosurgeon who was an expert in their craft at surgery, well, then we're just we're right there with that surgeon talking about skill set and, like you said, aptitude. Absolutely. That, we're right up there. No, no, absolutely. We haven't put in ten thousand hours. We've put in a hundred thousand hours. Well, and let's so let's, I mean, let's be real. Well, and let's also be honest. It's like a surgeon doesn't practice surgery at home. We come home and we would. There you go. <laughs> you know, but and there and, you go. Yes, and so, to dovetail off what you were saying, but when I say that, I also want to correct myself. And what part of what I'm saying is, is I put my emphasis on the groove. So my right. point being, when I when I say if I'm playing the third guitar part, I put my emphasis on making that part sit where it needs to sit i'm not playing rhythm Thank like i'm you. waiting to solo i'm not yes. playing you know what i mean and that's part of my point which is you know yes. I, what says i am focused on being the best acoustic guitar player in that moment that i can be versus the idea of like oh you know shit i gotta play acoustic man i wish i could play that hip electric part it's like yeah. man i'm cool like i want to put all my energy into making that part live and that's that was more my point than trying to be self-deprecating no, no, no. but but i but i i know I know your point and we do it's like we tend to kind of um, yeah, we downplay yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry, I wasn't pointing any no, fingers. No, no. I didn't mean it like that. I knew your point exactly. I think what I'm trying Oops. to get Sorry, keep everybody that. to 
<laughs> That's right. Especially, you know, and I keep saying the up and coming generations because I'm hoping that the, the aspiring career musicians are listening and paying attention. Because look, just because you can play all the notes, man, doesn't mean you should. <laughs> you Preach. Know? Hi, this is Tarek Akoni, and I'm a career musician. The goal of the Career Musician Podcast is to provide valuable insight aimed at supporting working musicians. Please show your support by listening, downloading, subscribing, sharing, liking, and leaving a review. Culminating a lifetime of experience, Nomad is the Career Musician. Stream the Career Musician Podcast, highlighting interviews with other industry professionals, providing insight and strategies for a sustainable career for the next generation of aspiring career musicians. You're listening to the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. Well, and, and here's the thing. Well, I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge lesson that to me it's, because it's like, I think especially when you're young and you're coming up, you feel like, man, I got to show people what I can do. And Ricky right. Minor was a huge mentor for me. And one of there Ricky's and one of Ricky's things, he said, listen, you're going to get noticed. The question is, what are they going to notice? Mm. And so to me, I used to tell people, listen, soloing is super important. When it's your time to step up, you got to step up. But if you make your passion making the singer sound better, you'll never stop working. Because rarely right. does someone just hire you to solo better than them. They're hiring someone to make them sound better. And then you're a part of a team, and music is a team sport. So to me, right. you know, kind of focusing on those things of like, you know, we're going to make this, this is going to be slang. This is going to be the best sounding band you've ever had. Those things That's for right. me are, are hugely important. And I think sometimes when you're coming up, you're so anxious for people to recognize that you can like, you know, play through giant steps so that you can yada yada. Mm -hmm. You've got the hippest new soul licks so you know man nobody's you know transcribed jubu like me check this out you know yeah. versus, you know which is which is great and has its moments and obviously jubu sure. is a brilliant brilliant musician uh, come on yeah but i'm just saying it's like one of my favorites too yeah we could that could be a whole other podcast that could be a whole just, other discussion just worshiping yeah. jubu. And jubu if you're listening i love you buddy that's but, right um, us too. me too us but, too that's too yes but it's like but that thing as you're saying it's like when you recognize that it's not only a team sport, but you find yourself in different rooms. So as an example, mm -hmm. going back to your earlier question about during dry spells, for me, yeah. writing music is a huge um, uh, marketable skill set. Right. Um, but even more so is being able to write with others, right? That's right. Because then you find yourself in more rooms. That's twice as many opportunities to get placed. you know. And it's like people like, man, let's make sure Tarek's in the room because... You know, he lifts the spirit, he came up with a great bridge, or yada, yada, yada. So right. to me, it's like understanding that that collaborative part of it is part of that expand your network, right? Okay. Part of puts you in, other, in more rooms, uh, virtually or otherwise. You know, but, but it's like, to me, those are the things that, like, I always think are common sense, but I realize that sometimes they're not, you know? Yeah. Yes. What what we think is common sense sometimes we take for granted. That's a good, another good point. Yes. Yeah. Somebody yeah. said because um, it might not be that obvious. Yeah. Somebody said if it's common sense, why do so few people have it? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. That's fantastic. And and this is a great segue. <laughs> I love it. It's a great segue because your discography is just as extensive as your live performance uh, resume. Um, let's talk about studio etiquette. Yeah. Um, you know. First of all, the way sessions are being um, recorded uh, and you know, uh, you know, maintained and and the protocol of a session has changed drastically over the years. Totally. But 
I still do believe, and there are the occasional times when we all get called to go to, uh, you know, the record plant yeah. or, or Capitol uh, East or West yeah. Studios or Capitol. Those are few and far between. But let's talk about studio etiquette because, again, the generations, be- even before us, mm-hmm. like you talk about guys like Tommy Tedesco, oh my God. And, you know, uh, Dean Parks and these cats um, who we, like you said, came up worshiping. You know, we love these guys. I swear to God, they- I want to get some Dean Parks, like, like playing cards, like, like baseball cards. Be like, man, I've got a Dean Parks 1976. You know, see, that's that's a great idea. Have stats and his rig on the back, yeah. Right, and then and then I'll I'll bring my Tommy Tedesco pack. There we go. go. (laughs) Um, And a vintage Tedesco today, yeah. That's a good idea. Hey, we should talk more about that. I like that, that yeah, yeah. Uh, only me, you, me, and five other guys. I was going to say, right, exactly. (laughs) Who all already know each other, right? Yeah, exactly. But so studio etiquette, you know, look, even if you're in a virtual session, you know, yeah. via, via, you know, a video conferencing or if you're in the room together or if you're just, you know, uh, sending links back and forth via correspondence, I believe there still is an etiquette. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for me, the, the, what sums it up, eyes and ears wide open, mouth shut. Right? Yeah, dig it. That's, I like that. You know, that's a that's a classic old kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, M.O. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, you know, you know, with your experience back in the olden days, yes. quote-unquote, and the new business model for Sessions. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, that's a, I mean, gosh, it's, it's, um, that's a great one. And, and it's one of those things that's hard to learn outside of the environment. You know what I mean? Because it's mm-hmm. like, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's uh, intelligence versus wisdom. Meaning, it's like, you know, you can give somebody all of, like, I could read you a list of things to do, but, you know, it's when you kind of encounter that you kind of put into practice. And also, you have to, like, I think your quote is so great because you have to be reactive. Like, sometimes you walk mm. in and you don't know what happened before you got there. Like, all the mics could have taken a shit or something like that. And so you That's have right. to be like, ah, I got to be really delicate today because I can tell that, like, people are fried. They're on their last nerve. And, like, they just, they're trying to get this acoustic thing, you know, like, laced. Dialed in. Yeah, so that yeah. they can get, yeah. let's say, move on. And they're losing thousands of dollars or, like, the the you know or whoever's like on the computer like you know listening in to the session and just you know it's like so they're stressed out and just you That's always right. once again you, in my mind you always want to bring that bonus you always want to bring that added value and i feel like mm-hmm. that as a musician as well as a writer as well as a producer and a musical director is you always want to 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 bring that added value and maybe find ways to you know sometimes surreptitiously highlight that added value like it's always good when people see they're like oh Tark brought a mandolin thank god he brought a mandolin oh man i forgot to mention it you know um we're gonna need to do a nylon pass it's like oh i got my nylon right here i got you you know what i mean exactly and like those kinds of things were like you know being aware being aware of the room around you but that thing of always having that added value and one of the things i used to tell students is there's a lot of stuff i can't control like i can't control my height i can't control the fact that i'm african american i can't control i can't grow hair in certain places you know as <laughs> as i show you my my uh, my bald spots you know but um oh i have one too thank you <laughs> well mine are connecting at this point so um, but um you know but i can control whether i show up on time whether my gear's working whether right. i learn the material all those right. things that to me those are the things that in my mind get you into the shower to get into the car to drive to the field to get into the game mm. like you're not even in the game with those right. basic things of playing in tune and time right. that everybody should be able, able to get up and over that to me it becomes a question of sorry i keep well, leading back the, well to me it becomes a question yeah, of added no, value. those yeah. are the yeah those are the those are the basic credentials just to get 
have your name picked in a hat. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. Just to be on that yeah. list of like, well, right. who can we call? You know, and you know what's so funny mm-hmm. is I've had a lot of artists and musicians say that to me. Like when I like when I haven't been available for something, I've had everybody from like Ricky Minor and, you know, David Foster and like Irving Azoff like go, Who can we call? Like who like right. because they're like, I don't go to clubs. I don't know who's new on the scene. I don't know who's out there. You know. Who can we call? Right. And to be the right. end of that conversation of man, call Mike Rapole or call right. whatever. It's like it's like to right. get into that that camp you have to have certain just basic skill sets. Then above that mm-hmm. is the added benefits. Like I remember talking to Bernie Herms about you. And Bernie uh-huh. said yeah, to me, Bernie. Bernie said, um, he said, man, he's like, Michael, when he plays nylon string, he elevates the entire room. And I remember, oh, saying, so and I remember thinking to myself, yeah. I'm like, that is what we're talking about, which is why wouldn't right. you call somebody like that? And I remember years ago right, talking right. To, um, to Tom Scott about Nathan East. Because I didn't know Nathan at the oh. time. I know. And I didn't, See, Nathan. Come wow. On. Come yeah. on. I mean, seriously. It's like. Come on. And, and, Get out of here. Come on. Like, it's over. Are you kidding me? It's, it's money in the bank. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 But it's like. Plus a retirement account. Yeah, like, is what exactly. It is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's gold in the backyard is what it is. But it's like. But, you know, yeah. um, I was asking Tom because I saw that he played on one of Tom's records. And I'm like, hey, man. I'm like, you know, um, how do you like working with Nathan? And Tom said, what's not to like? Yeah. He's like, the guy is. Right. Oh, he's like he's a brilliant musician. He sight reads his ass off. Has perfect pitch. Yeah. Has a photographic memory. Great tone and time. He's like, what's not to like, you know? And and to me, it's like right. those things of that added value of like, and you know Nathan. Every time Nathan walks into a room, the room mm. ele- like you're just like, you're like lights yeah, up. Yeah, you're like man, let's make music today. Let's do it. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want somebody oh. around like that all the time? You know? And we also a- incredible. Yeah. yeah, and we also know the other end of the spectrum. We know that people that like always drag the scene down or it's always whatever and and you know it's just and those people just they don't they don't get called back a lot you know it's like let me man and let me let me expound on that and and i think we all know personality types like Tarek is mentioning but let's be real and this is this is kind of something that i've come to over the years and i've learned um and it's by my own susceptibility okay that i'm speaking so I'm acknowledging, first of all, that we're all human and we're all susceptible to anything at any time. Absolutely. I'm further taking responsibility and saying, yes, I have been guilty of this before. And thirdly, the solution is taking responsibility via self-awareness. Yeah, man. And that's where I'm at. So that's how I, I have arrived at this statement that I'm about to make. The statement is music, anything creative, anything artistically creative that we create within our beings and especially when it's intangible, okay? Because a painting you can see, music you can't see, yep. you can hear it, but you can't see it. It's a little different than food and visual arts. Absolutely. In, in, you know, in that sense, it's like there's zero tangibility mm-hmm. to it. The vessels that create it have to be open, and, and I'm getting a little deep here, but they have to be open to a vast spiritual world that goes beyond our ability to comprehend. Yes. That being the case, we are super susceptible to negative energy. And when we allow that negative energy to come in, what happens? We put out negative energy. So if you know somebody who's always, oh, man, they canceled the gig, man, freaking out, I can't stand this, blah, 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 and all this negative energy, that's what's happening. It could be, you could be friends with the most 
talented musician on the face of the earth. And every time you talk to him, you say, man, they're always so down and negative. I wonder what's going on. And I truly believe that's what it is. Yes, yes. And I, th- I think we have to take corrective measures. Once again, first of all, the first step is acknowledgement, self-awareness. And the second step is taking corrective measures to not allow ourselves to get to that point. I'm, I'm totally with you. And, you know, it's funny. You said a lot of stuff just now that, that really resonates with me for a number of reasons. And some of the language you used is very similar to language that I tend to use about the same subject. <clears throat> but the other right. thing I want to kind of dovetail off of what you said is is you, you also have to remember, and I say this to, to your listeners, you have to remember that we're talking about two separate entities that aren't necessarily, they're not diametrically opposed, but that's art and commerce. So yes, yes, I say that all the time. Exactly, yes. exactly. He it's, took the words yeah. right out of my mouth. See, I knew we were brothers. I knew it. I knew it. Um, Art and commerce I, weren't necessarily meant to mix. Absolutely. Yes. And I would say, like, some people feel like they're parallel paths and they don't meet. I disagree. I feel right. like it's a scale. Some things you do are going to be ninety percent commerce, ten percent art. Some are going to be ten percent, you know, art, ten percent, ninety percent, whatever. You know. What, you do the yes, math. Yes, um, I love it. <laughs> but but my point being, when you're talking about this, when you're talking about like leaving yourself open, because not only being creative in that sense, but as a sideman and as a studio musician, mm. a lot of times you have to ex- exactly, you know exactly where I'm going with this, which is that yes. artist that's in the room that's trying to create, you've got to make space for them or block for them or you know, or allow them to remain open and receptive to like the muse and whatnot. So it's like you can't bring your shit in. You're not getting paid to bring in all the bullshit that, that, you know, happened the day before. You're one of the reasons they want you in the room is your job is to like open those gates and open those floodgates and let them feel like anything is possible. They're like, man, can we try that on Bazooki? You're like, absolutely. You're guiding the muse into the room Absolutely. to help them get inspired. Absolutely. Yes. And it's like, and I think that yes. you have to remember that, that we are in a service industry when you're talking about commerce, when you're talking about being a sideman. Mm-hmm. We are in a service industry. And you have to put your ego out the door. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that doesn't mean not to have a strong ego in the sense of self, in the sense of mm-hmm. like who you are, what you have to contribute and all that stuff. But in that sense of like you were you were in the service of someone's art, someone's music, that composition, that recording, you're in the service of that and you're trying to bring your best self to it and you're also trying to allow them to be their best self. Because if they feel like they're their best self when you're in the room, they'll always call you back in. And I'll give you a quick story. That's that added value you're Absolutely. talking about. Yeah. And I'll give you a quick story yeah. about Dean Parks, who's, who's one of my favorite people on the planet and one of my favorite musicians that's ever touched any instrument. Okay, you have to promise me something. Yeah. Will you introduce me to Dean? Yes, I've yes. been dying I'm, to meet. I mean, I was supposed to a while ago too. You have mentioned to be that, yeah. virtually. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, he's just uh, like just an incredible person. And I mean, once again, it's like he's he's so lovely and down to earth, and um, and just such an incredible musician. But I remember hearing a story. Um, David Foster's uh, kind of right hand for a long time. Um, told me a story about working with David in the studio that he was talking about the day he met Dean Parks. And he said, I guess David was in the studio working with some guitar player and it was not going well. And David was like, Uh-oh. "Was like, nope, over, get me Dean Parks, right? And they were like, Dean's on a session. He goes, I didn't ask you. I mean, basically he was like, he was like, <laughs> shut it down. We're shutting down until Dean gets here. So Matt, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Matt TP, who we, we love to death. Oh, yeah. So we love yeah, that. so Matt was like, man, 
you know, he's stressed out. He's like, man, this dude, Dean Parks, coming in. Obviously, this guy's like, you know, the yo of the yo cats and all that stuff. And he was, he thought he was going to come in with like crazy vibe and, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, Dean. An attitude. Yeah, yeah, Dean yeah, walks yeah, in yeah. with a so mustache sweet. and a beard and a baseball cap. And he's like, hey, how's everybody doing? You know, and just <laughs> walks in and just laces it. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you another really quick story. A buddy of mine was, was recording at Capitol Records. And, um, he, I think he was recording in Capitol. He might, he was either, he, I think he was in B. And he came in and he saw Dean coming in. And he's like, oh, shoot, Dean's here recording in A. He's like, cool. He's like, well, you know, when I, when we take a break, I'm going to go and say hi and, you know, and kind of poke, him, poke my head in. So he finishes a tune, comes back and goes, hey, I came by to say hi to Dean. And I'm like, dude, Dean's gone. He just, he cut the whole record. Like, <laughs> Dean had cut the whole record in the time it took my yep. friend to do one song. I was like, that's deep. Yeah. There you have it. I mean, what else do you need to know? Yes, yes. But, but I, well, oh, I, sorry. Okay. No, 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 you go ahead, no, please. No, no, I've been wanting to get him on the podcast, so if you can help in any yeah. way, I would be greatly, uh, you know. You know, I'll shoot him a text. Grateful. Because I. Greatly grateful. Well, and I think that, the th- that one of the big lessons for me about Dean also, um, and about that generation of guys and, and whatnot, is also the humanity. Is the fact that it's like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, he truly is, like, that's who he is. I mean, you know, I don't know him super well, you know, but it's like every yeah. encounter I've had with him, I'm like, it's very consistent. Like, the way he moves through the mm-hmm. world, the way he plays, it's very consistent. He's, he, that's the dude he is, you know. And and for me, that's, mm-hmm. that's not only important, but same thing with, like, George Deering and, like, those guys. It's like, you know, just yes. super, you know, it's like, it's like not unassuming, you know, and not... In, you know, not uh, falsely humble, but just, I mean, real down to earth. He knows what he does. He's, I mean, he's brilliant at what he does. But to me, the right. humanity part of it is actually the most important part. You know, because to me, That's art right. is a reflection of humanity, right? It's meant to um, reveal the inner self and reflect the world around you. So uh, I'm giving a virtual <laughs> hug right now. <laughs> I'll take it. Come on. I'll take it. That's it, bro. Yeah, but it's like, so you have to, like, like there isn't a part of this process as you move through the industry and as you grow up and grow older in this industry, that there's a lot of self-reflection. There's a lot of, you know, of adjustment right. and a lot of kind of moving towards self-actualization because because if you're truly in service of the art element of it, you know, it's like you're right. trying to make room for it. You're trying to make space for it, you know, and all that other bullshit, there's just, there's not enough room, man. It's like there's, <laughs> there's right. not enough room for all that, dude. So, yeah, that's right. And I I always say that and I love how you say, you know, art is a reflection of humanity and vice versa. They go hand in hand. And and to take that a step further, um, I always say athletics, Mm -hmm. right? Competitive athletics are measured by metrics. Right. right? So stats. And but music is not once again, because it's it's an artistic medium and each artist is supposed to be allowed the freedom to create art as they. Yes, absolutely. And I'll take it a step further. When you talk about the, the most elite athletes, the elite of the elite, uh, in the ring or on the field, they are fierce competitors. As soon as the whistle blows or the, the buzzer hits and the game is over, they are best friends. Yes, yes, yes. So I want to I wanna remind musicians that, number one, music is not a competitive sport, so let's not compare stats. That's but great. number two... Let's embrace humanity like you just said, because at the end of the day, the best of the best 
are still BFs. Right, 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 <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's a really great analogy, and and you know that reminds me of um, it's not it's not the same, but it reminds me of something someone said a couple of years ago. I was, I was speaking at the Nam show, and somebody had a quote that really struck me, and it was it was about careers, <clears throat> and he said he said in your career you have to be fearless but not careless. And he's like, think of it as a race car driver. He's like, if you drive with fear, you're going to wind up in the rails, you know. But if you, you know, or you're going to lose. But if you drive carelessly, you're going to wind up in the rails. Like you're going to wind up wrecking. Right. So it's like you have to understand, have confidence in what you have to offer. You have to know your vehicle or your instrument or your medium, and you have to like once again, you know, drive with no fear but not careless. Like you're not just trying to like you know, mm. you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying. I don't have to continue the analogy. Absolutely. No, I yeah. get it. I get it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so moving yes. on. Thank you so much that uh, Tarek and I have figured out all the world's yeah. problems and how to solve them. <laughs> all right. We got that done. Check. Exactly. <laughs> now, who do I send this to? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Are you, are you mailing exactly, a check? Yes, exactly. I don't think you could do that yeah. anymore. <laughs> so... Uh, all right. Um, so we covered studio etiquette, yeah. and we went around about you know with humanity, uh, real quick. And I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, no, but talk about when when you go on tour. Talk about some of your tour essentials. I know uh, that I have a very specific way. Like I'm so anal retentive yeah. about this. I have a very specific way of how I pack. Oh, really? Not only my. Yeah, not only my gear, but how I pack my my personal items and my clothes oh, and things. Interesting, you know? right? Uh, so I'm just curious, is there, are there anything, you know, tour essentials that you need, you can't leave home without? Do you have any methods that you like to adhere to? Oh, this is how I do it every time. Or, you know, okay, you know. So, so it's interesting you say that because I, 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 I would never say that I necessarily did, but I know that I, I, was, I had to explain to my wife. My wife is, is I call her civilian. She's, she's not in the music industry. And, and, <laughs> I love it. And, <laughs> I, and I had a teaser because I was like, I have a relationship with my bag that Yes. Are you the same way? See? <laughs> That's why I asked you. Well, because I'm like, honey, you don't understand. The bag is the, sacred. The bag is right? sacred. It's like I see that bag more than I see anything else in my life. And I know exactly where stuff goes in there and all that kind of And, you know, I, I'm not super precious about it because for me, typically, like what you're seeing me wear right now is what I'm in 90% of the time, unless it's like gig clothes. Um, but right. um, more recently, uh, two things. One, I've taken up uh, photography. And so I have, nice. it's, you can probably see it back there, but I've got a, um, a camera bag that also fits my That's laptop right. and all that kind of stuff and yada, yada, yada. And that for me is yeah. hugely important because uh, for me, it's sanity. It's just being able to get away from the tour. So like on a day off, I'll typically go yeah. try to find a used record store, look through records and like, because mm. you know, it's like, I'm, it's fun. And then I'll take it to a coffee shop and look at my, what I've gotten and maybe take some pictures Good idea. And it's cool because it's also you wind up in the coolest parts of every town. Like you get to discover the the, the city and the town, mm -hmm. and it beats going to a bar and all that kind of madness. And I don't I don't go to clubs. I mean, I drink, yeah. but that's normally in my yeah. room by myself alone with the lights off. Yeah, um, <laughs> curled up in a ball, <laughs> just, naked, just deep, Wait, deep what? racking sobs, just weeping in the shower. Yeah, so I'll just grab a shower beer and just like bull Durham it. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. That totally messes up our bar oh, story bad, that bad. I mentioned I'm earlier. Sorry, I yeah. So what are you yeah, insinuating? Sorry, 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 I apologize. <laughs> no, but um but so that's something that's been important to me. And then the other thing, and this is actually kind of to get into the, you know, this is in the goes back to what we're talking about in terms of 
um, staying um, viable and all that stuff. I have a right. traveling recording rig that fits in, yes. obviously your, your listeners can't see it, but I've got a small, small, small Pelican that actually fits in the, um, can fit in the bottom of my bag. Overhead. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll oh, got show you it. how small it is. It's. Ooh, even yeah, cooler. It's like, it's that big. I mean, once again, your, your, your yep. listeners can't see it. Yep. But, um, but I can fit in there my uh, Apollo Twin Interface, two KM184s, which are on a retractable thing here at my house, at my studio. Um, nice. But that way, sorry. But that way, I can record acoustic guitars. I can record electrics. Um, I'm actually working yep. with uh, Yamaha Line 6, with the, the Helix Native software, so, so that I can not only record guitars directly into the DAW, but they're baked into the session. So let's say, for instance, I'm, uh. in, let's say I'm in Florida, and you and I are co-writing a song. You know, I actually can play it. It's baked into the session, and then if I pull that song up six weeks later, I have the exact same sounds, exact same settings, and all that stuff. That and this right. little mini keyboard that's on my studio desk right now. Does it look yeah. high? That's yeah. perfect. And for me, that way, what I've found is a good workflow for me is that's something I can take to a coffee shop and work on a track, and then I can actually come back right. to the house, and I literally plug my laptop into my bigger rig here, so I don't have to worry about yeah. okay, does my computer at home have the latest yada 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 or this update or, so I got or the sounds? Everything all, it's yeah. all the same thing that just plugs into different rigs. So if I come to your place, I can go. I can plug into your rig or yada yada yada. And to me, that was part of me adapting to not only a contemporary workflow, but the idea that you know nobody cares these days where you are or where something. So for instance. Um, I had to record some acoustic guitars recently for a couple of uh, records and, and stuff like that. And um, I, I, I was on the road. You know, I had, there wasn't an option right. of, hey, let me get over to Capitol or hey, let me go to my friend's place or hey, yada, or I'm at home and I've got my rig set up. I literally had to set up in the hotel room. In fact, I did that for like a couple of records. Um, but, nice. well, I mean, like I was in New York um, doing, we did the Shed Show. I, do you remember, did, did I talk to you about that when we did the... It was like this opening of this new venue in New York, incredible venue, and we played. Nice. We played. Um, I think we were there for like three weeks in New York, like kind of like like playing at the same place for like three weeks. So so I had to Ooh. keep working. So I literally had the rig set up at the in the you know hotel room, and I'd bring guitars back, cut tracks at night, go do the shows. But I'm like nobody cares. Where, yeah, nobody awesome. cares where they're coming from. It's one of those things where I wanted to find a workflow where I could be as transitory as I tend to be, I love being home. Right. But the current mm -hmm. metrics, economic metrics are such that, as we were talking about earlier, you have to have a larger piece of the pie. So if, you know, if right. I'm working, let's say, on, you know, co-writes or sync queue or something like that, nobody wants to hear, hey, man, let me get back to you in two weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Yeah, they're like, hey. You got to crush it like, now. You, have those, you yeah. got to start it and finish it like, today. Do you have those stems? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've got my hard drives right yeah. here. You know, let me just like, let me just yep. like, like, I'm actually on a bus. Give me five minutes or whatever, you know. And, and yep. to me, that has probably been the most important thing in terms of travel essentials and touring essentials for me. Because the other stuff, yeah. once again, with the, the guitar gear and all that stuff, somebody else is taking care of that 90% of the time. I just make sure that, you know, but oh, yeah. it's, it's for me being able to keep the momentum going wherever I am has been a huge, you know, once again, technology's gotten so great now it's possible, but that's become right. a huge thing. So so for the listeners who may not be aware, what Tarek is talking oh, yes. about when he says the guitar thing is taken care of is when, when you're on a, a gig of a certain level, you usually have uh, 
a full crew, a full tour staff. And in the crew, you have backline techs. And the backline techs, uh, you know, tend to the drums, the keyboards, the guitars, the bass, you know, whatever. Uh, so oftentimes, I, I, I would almost venture to say that it's been a long time since you've gone on the road without a guitar tech, right? I mean, that yes sounds... Yes no. I can't imagine you... You know, maybe you do some fly yeah, I, dates where you have to bring a exactly. small rig. Exactly. I've, I've done. Know. I've had to kind of fly yeah. in and out yeah. and all that stuff. And and not to plug the Helix stuff, but but um, here. Oh, I love the Helix. Yes. Stuff. And one of the things that's been super cool about it is it opens up now as a plug-in in your DAW. So once again, all your sounds right. are baked in. But if you have the floor right. unit, I like how you say that. Yeah. Baked yeah. In. Sorry, I love but that also, term. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But if you've also got the floor unit, you can actually download those sounds straight into the unit. You know, so you can actually take mm. sounds from the stage to the studio and all that stuff. And they they had me playing through one of the floor units for the last Nam show because I was doing something for Yamaha, and um, and mm. they were like, "Hey, you know, Yamaha bought Line Six. They're like, do you, do you mind trying to do the right. show on this versus bringing all your you know typical you know whatever pedals?" I was like, "I'll give it a shot," and I fell in love with it. And they've been blown away by how blown away I've been because I it's not normally my my right. vibe to go down that rabbit hole. But my entire workflow has changed now to where I literally have the floor unit and the um, DAW, and I've got the rack unit, and I've got the smaller Line 6 uh, HX effects. Oh, wow, Because it's like they all have a different use. from. Like, for instance, I was supposed to do a thing with Josh in Japan for this TV show, and it was literally, I was going to be the only U.S. musician playing, musical director directing and playing with all these Japanese musicians. And I was like... I was like, sure. I can't bring my full rig, but I can bring the Here Looks Floor, and I right. can backline some guitars and bring like my main axe or something like that. And I'm like, I can do it, you know. And that was something that really, that's right. I was like, that's uh, that's something to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes it extremely viable. Yeah. Uh, I did the same thing for the last year and a half. I was on tour with yeah. Face. I had the Helix oh, you Floor. Did? Unit. Oh, right. And yeah. And we plugged it directly into the system. I didn't even use yeah, cabinets, yeah. dude. Now, I will say this. I'm the same way. I have cabinets here in my studio that I mic up and yeah. record. And I know you're yeah. the same way. Um, and I, I love pushing air, oh, as yeah. we call it, you know, the, the speakers. Um, but my the production manager was like, uh, look, man, just try this. See if you like it because it'll help uh, keep production costs down. And it'll help keep the stage volume yeah. lower, which is always you know, at front of front of house engineers, that's their that's their of biggest course, battle, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, it worked out. It was great, and and I will say, especially for the type of music I was playing, the R and B stuff, you don't need to be the guitars aren't front yeah, right, and center. Yeah, yeah, they're more like you know they're sprinkling yeah, on the cake, yeah. you know. Um, but I know a lot of rock guys who use them too. So you know, I think I think it's a very versatile totally. unit. And, and I actually um when I was getting getting used to using mine, I talked to Andy Abad a fair amount. And Andy's been using one with Jennifer oh, yeah. Lopez, and he was like, "Dude, he's that's like, dude, right. I've gotten to the point now where that's all I'm using is the Helix Floor and right. Fish with um, Christina and with um, and yeah. Tony. He was using, uh, I want to say it might have been the Helix, it might have been something else, but I think it was the Helix. Um, yeah. And he was. And also, no, no, go ahead, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, no, no, uh, finish the. Oh, fish. I was just saying, and I Sorry. remember him talking to me saying when he went out with Tony, he's like, "I'm not using any cabinets, I'm just going straight in," and it's obviously not our right. preference. But for me, going back to kind of the conceptually, the global look of where we are currently, you know, um, sometimes you can't have that luxury. Sometimes you're put in a position to where 
like you said, finances are an issue or travel is an issue or stage volume. Like, and, and having these tools, if you don't have these tools, then you kind of fall into that category of like, you know, you know, you're kind of letting technology get away from you. You know what I mean? Like if everybody else, that's right. Like I remember doing yeah, a session yeah, at a guy's yeah. house and bringing my pedal board and an amp and all that stuff. And he's like, really, man? He's like, you're still using that stuff? He goes, he's like, these are like, I just had my floors refinished. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was like kind of bagging on me because he's like, man, next time can you yeah. just bring something smaller? And I was like, but man, my yeah. sound. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, you know, yeah, yeah just get right. in and get it done. That's right. And, um, Oh, there was something I was going to say about... I forgot. I lost it. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's all right. Well, we were talking about fish, and the same thing with Tim Stewart. With oh, Lady right. Gaga. Okay. I just I just interviewed him before the, all this yeah. crisis with the with the, uh, the COVID yeah. uh, virus, um, and he was telling me that he's going direct. I think he's using the other rig, not not the Helix, but right. he's There's using the, uh, Axis. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, he's, I think he's using right, that. Right, okay. That makes sense. Or was it was it the other one, the Amp Modeler? Well, there's one. the What's Kemper. Yes. The Kemper. He's either, I think he's using okay. Kempers. He's and using that's Kempers, been a yeah. really popular yeah. choice. And I have found a couple of workarounds with the, with the Helix. And, and I have to say, once again, there's a, I, I, I always say, always say, it's just been recent since I've been using it. But I have started to say, I should say, <laughs> that it's, a, it's an incredible tool, but it's not an instrument. In the sense that, like, That's yes, right. like, like I have a vintage Marshall that, like, it's an in, in inspiration machine. I plug into that thing, and it's like immediately I, yeah. I start to respond a different way. It's not that for me. Right. But in terms of being an incredible tool, it's an incredible tool. And I can get it sounding close enough to that to where I don't have to bring my vintage Marshall out and all that stuff. So it's an incredible right. tool, especially in today's day and age where, you know, there are other constraints right. that we can't control, you know. So, yeah. I, I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, buddy. All right, so this has been amazing. Um, uh, for for a wrap yeah. up, I want to play a little Uh-oh. game here. I'm in. <laughs> just just a list of rapid fire I'm in. questions. I'm in. So can I curse? I don't want you to think. <laughs> you could say you could do whatever the fuck All you right. want. All right. All right. This is gonna get good fast. Wait, let me get another martini. You, you better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, good, because that's part of the questions. All right, here we go. Drum okay. roll, please, or guitar riff, please. Exactly. That was your exactly. eBay Mousing exactly. impression. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ready? Here we go. Favorite food? Uh, sushi. Favorite libation? Right now, mezcal. Ooh, mezcal. Mm-hmm. I like it. Favorite sport, if you do Ooh, have one? Um, baseball. Okay. How do you spend your free time? Now you have some more, I'm sure. Uh, playing guitar. <laughs> I'm such a loser. <laughs> such a loser. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Wrong answer. I'm such a loser. <laughs> what, what activities do you enjoy on long flights? Ooh, uh, listening to music. Radiohead especially. Huge really? Radiohead fan. Okay, yeah. that's nice segue into what's the last what's the last song band or artist you listen to that you did not work on oh gosh oh pat matheny um oh shoot uh what's it what's the record called Uh, american uh, i'll find the the name of the album but it is incredible and i'm a huge pat matheny fan i think i remember what you're talking about i'm a huge huge i think i remember the one you're talking about because i was a big fan of his oh he's uh, i'm he's one of my biggest um inspirations and influences Yes, he's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, favorite TV show and or movie? Um, right now, The Office and or Parks and Recreation. 
I drive oh, my I wife like crazy nice. watching uh, reruns. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, my wife drives me crazy watching reruns of Bob's Big Burger. Uh, oh Bob's my gosh, Burgers. that's hilarious! And I love Lucy. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Love it. So I, I can relate. Uh, okay, now this has changed. I was going to say shopping online or brick and mortar, but we can't do right, brick and mortar right. right now. But in the past, what do you prefer for shopping? Um, brick and mortar, especially for me, records. Like, um, I love going yeah. to record stores. You know, it's like it kind of defeats the purpose. To, I mean, I, I like being able to order something I, I want or if I'm thinking about something online, but but it defeats the purpose. There's something about the culture of the record store you know, that I like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. right. Like it's, to That's me, it's right. like, it's like a yeah. hardcover book. There's something about the culture of like, you know, dog earring pages and stuff. Yeah. Yes. And, and the old bookstores and record stores have a certain yes. smell. Oh, absolutely. Right? That it's like the collection of all those artifacts together yeah. brings nostalgia. And there's also yeah. a certain kind yeah. of group think or group culture. There's something about being around those people. And, you know, I don't care if it's Johnny Cash or Lightning Hopkins or, you know, Sun Ra. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's something about being around people who appreciate and love the same thing, like that energy and all the stuff that I love. Like, I love going to a great smoky club. I'd rather go to a smoky club than an arena seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Ooh, oh, totally, yes. totally. All right, now, I'm, and this may be hard because you've collaborated with a lot of people already, but do you have a dream collaboration? Oh, you mean as a, oh, golly. As a, as a musician. Oh, yeah. wow. Do you mean like who I'd want to play for? Or do you mean like... like You could you could play for them. You could produce oh for gosh. them. You could co-write with them. And it could be it could be the past or pre- it could be dead or alive. It would probably... Dream collaboration. I, I have three, two of whom are related. Go for uh, it. It would probably be Joni Mitchell, Wayne Shorter, or James Taylor. Ooh. Yeah. Joni and James, yes. of course. Well, and yeah, Joni and like Wayne. It. Like, um... Uh, Yes. Oh, like, I didn't. Even oh, yeah. There's that. A, there's a long relationship with those two. That like, yeah. There's something about that. They're they're both angels that walk this this earth. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Okay, and final question. Yep. You ready? What would you do if you weren't a career musician? Oh my gosh. Well, the 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 logical answer is I I had planned to be a lawyer. But I probably would be an alcoholic at this point because I would have hated it so much. <laughs> um, so the truth of the matter is, and this is one of my favorite jokes, is if I won the lottery, I'd probably play guitar till I ran out of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. so it's like you know. All right, but but if you if you didn't win the lottery and you had to have another, they had job, to have another job, and it wasn't a lawyer. Oh, you know what? Um, uh, it wasn't a lawyer. And I, I, it might still be around music. Like I, I've always dreamt of doing, of having a radio show. I've always dreamt of, you oh, know, like nice. being, um, and it would probably be like a late night college radio, like really kind of off the beaten path cuts, like, like old, like Rye Cooter and like, you know, like, you know, like, like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably be that guy that like, nice. you know, like, like always smells of stale cigars and doesn't cut his nails enough. I'd be that guy. <laughs> you know, his nails are yellowed with tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Tarek. Mr. Tarek Akoni, first of all, for the listeners who don't know, can you spell your name, Yeah, it's Tarek, T-A-R-I-Q-H, Akoni, A-K-O-N-I. And if you Google Tarek Akoni, you'll see my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and website and all that stuff. There's only one Tarek with an H that I know of. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. And and so all your socials and your website are by that Mm -hmm. spelling. Yep. 
Yep. Okay. And, and just as a quick aside, my brother. Oh, good. No, I was go ahead. Say, as go a quick ahead. aside, I always thought it was funny. You know, I've I I have at different times of my life gone by the handle um, of Mr. Road Weary. Um, so my my production ah. company is Road Weary Productions, and you know, and Road Weary Records and all that stuff. And you with the name Nomad, I feel like we are bonded. Not just as, as guitar players, but I feel like we are a bond yes. in life. Yes. <laughs> and and to be honest with you, there's two reasons why I chose the name, uh, the alias. Uh, number one, because everybody, and oftentimes back in the days when we had liner notes yeah. on albums, um, they would they would butcher my yes. name, the spelling of my name. So li- literally, when you look at my discography online, it's Rapoli, oh. Ripple, Ripple Eye, RuPaul. Yes, you yes. Know. I've I've had the what, same. I know what you I'm mean. At, yes. So, so there. So number one, and then number two, because look, we all are modern day nomads as yes. musicians. We we go where the muse takes yes. us, man. You know, and I've had, I've had over twenty some odd physical addresses in right. my lifetime. So right, I'm, I, I, I qualify. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all uh, do. Absolutely, That's the point, absolutely, you know? yeah, man. <laughs> And, well, thank you so much, Michael. For... So, Tarek, man, this has been amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been thank a pleasure you. for me, and we've been wanting to do this for a while. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And, you know, any and everything you need, just let me know. Be sure to subscribe to the Career Musician podcast and like the Career Musician on all social platforms to stay up to date on news and topics that affect your music career. Want to learn more about a particular topic? Tag at the Career Musician and use hashtag Career Musician to let us know what you'd like to hear. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band A nomad This is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at PantheonPodcast.com for more info. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 